All right. Thank you again, one by one. Let's give them a round of applause. They are so awesome, so wonderful, blessing us with their voices as well as their hearts. This morning, uh, our guest speaker is a man named Wade Sleester. He works for Youth for Christ, and he is the director of the Campus Life Program. Now, maybe not everyone has heard of that before, but they are an outreach ministry, and they start Christian clubs on campus with the goal of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they have youth groups, outreach clubs, that meet at junior highs, middle schools, and high schools throughout Kern County, and they also have different chapters across country. It's an incredible ministry where you can go to school and learn math and science and English and all of that, and then during your lunchtime, go hear the power of the gospel. And so it's a really incredible thing. Wade uh, has an amazing heart for God. He was so excited to come share with you this morning. So let's give a huge round of applause for the Wade Sleester. What's up, Spring Fest? Oh, hey, look, there's some M&Ms. I guess I'll chew on. Anybody want some? little breakfast? Yeah? There you go. Booyah. Nah, he saved your life, dude. He saved your life. It's incredible. All right, so, hey, I was unable to be here last night, so um, who is, like, super attentive and was actually paying attention and can tell me uh, the main takeaway from last night? I saw one hand. I'm super impressed by you guys already, all right? She's going to say it super loud. And she's looking at her notes. That's what I'm talking about. If you guys are taking notes of what I'm about to say, stop, because it's, it's not that good. All right, so. Boom. All right, so we were talking about sin last night, and, and you guys talked about the sin that separates you from God, all right? Does that sound roughly about what you guys were chatting about? All right, so uh, today I, I want to talk about the, the fact that Jesus has the opportunity to forgive uh, sin in your life, it has the opportunity to, to kind of bring us full circle, all right? So we're going to chat about um, uh, Jesus and, and what he can provide, what he does with that sin. And, and uh, you guys looked at uh, the, the prodigal son last night. Does that sound familiar? Yes. So you guys looked at the prodigal son through the eyes of the prodigal son. This morning, I want to look at, at the story of the prodigal son through the eyes of the father. All right, so and we're, we're going to kind of unpack that, and we're going to get there. But um, th- to get to the prodigal son, I think it's really important to look at the context of what's happening in this story. So in, in the prodigal son, we, we see the, the lost son, but, but I want to kind of go a few uh, verses back and, and chat about uh, just how it is that Jesus wound up in this conversation and sharing the story of the prodigal son, all right? So if this is review, if this is recap, um, I, hopefully you guys hear it the second time around, all right? So the context of what's happening is, is the Pharisees encounter Jesus, and Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners, all right? So these tax collectors and sinners are, are dining with Jesus, and uh, the Pharisees mutter, to themselves, they say, man, this guy's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now, whether the Pharisees said that loud enough that Jesus could hear him or, or, or not, it doesn't really matter because Jesus is, is Jesus, all right? So he's fully God, he's fully human. He hears what they said. And his reply to them launches us into the parables of the lost, all right? So the context of, of what's being said here, what's happening in this time is is Jesus is responding to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, if you don't know who the Pharisees are, just a a really quick summary of who they are. Uh, They were the religious leaders of the day. 
They didn't live their lives out of obedience and love for God. They lived their lives out of uh, obedience to the text. And so they um, were very strict about uh, the way that they lived their lives and looked down on others. And they didn't like this Jesus guy because he comes in and starts rocking the boat. And he starts, uh, people start following him instead of following the Pharisees. So the Pharisees just weren't big fans of who Jesus was. So uh, that, that kind of lays the groundwork for, for what Jesus says. So in response to this, this comment that the Pharisees make about, okay, yes, I eat with, with sinners and tax collectors. Jesus talks about the parables of the lost. And he starts uh, with um, the, the lost sheep. All right? So in Luke 15, uh, you're, you're welcome to, to follow along in Scripture. Uh, Luke 15, 3 through 7, Jesus launches into this conversation about the, the, the lost sheep. All right? So he says... Suppose you had a hundred sheep, all right, and you were hanging out with them and you're their shepherd, and all of a sudden, 99 are, are, are still chilling, but one takes off. One sheep goes astray. And the scripture says it this way, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one, all right? Anybody happen to be a shepherd or a sheep herder? No? Not, it's not a very common job uh, here. All right, so uh, let me tell you a little bit uh, uh, something about sheep. They're really dumb, okay? Like, real dumb, all right? So the, the problem with sheep are is that they, they tend to just follow whatever is leading. They don't really care. They just want to follow something. And, and so uh, th- this comment that's made in Scripture, it says, wouldn't you just leave the 99 in the open country? That's a real bad idea, okay? Because anything could have come along and those sheep would have just said, oh, okay, I'm going to follow that, and they'd have just taken off. And so the Pharisees, as they hear this story, as Jesus is explaining this story to them, all they hear is, no, we wouldn't leave the 99 in the open country. I mean, here's the deal. I'm a a former youth pastor. If I took 100 kids uh, to, to the mission field in, like, say, Mexico or something like that, and I only brought back one, I would probably lose my job. But if I brought back 99 of you guys, I mean, that's pretty good, right? That's not bad, right? I mean, that's a 99% survival rate. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And that's how the Pharisees would have seen this story. But Jesus is saying, and he's pointing out, and he's showing a characteristic of who God is, and he says, no, nobody is going to go astray. Nobody's worth losing. There's value on the one. There's value in every single person. Jesus is trying to highlight that God's character shows off that that he cares about every single one of us. That he knit us together in our mother's womb and he knows us and values us so much. That the one matters. It's not worth sticking around with the 99, but it's worth going and pursuing the one. So Jesus wants us to, to recognize uh, that, that there is value in the one. It kind of reminds me of the story of Zacchaeus, all right? So um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? Uh, and, and, and Jesus is rolling into town, and all of these people are pressing up against him because people have started to, to find out who Zacchaeus is. Or, I'm sorry, who Jesus is. And, and the people of town already know who Zacchaeus is. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, all right? So... Uh, the reason tax collectors are so hated in this time is because um, 
one, they, they're kind of like traitors. They, they join the bad guys, all right? So, um, and, and so Zacchaeus, uh, the way that he makes his money is, is the Roman government says, you need, to, you need to collect taxes at 10%, right? Well, Zacchaeus rolls around, he knocks on your door, and he says, hey, you owe 15%. And then he takes that 5% and he puts it right in his pocket. So he essentially steals from people to make a living, all right? So he's not exactly uh, everybody's buddy. Typically, people who steal money from you aren't people that you want to hang out with, all right? Um, so, so Jesus rolls into this town, and, and Zacchaeus is up in a tree trying to get a glimpse of who this Jesus is because he's heard just like everyone else who this is. And Jesus points him out in specific, uses his name, and says, I want to I dine with you. I want to have, have food at your house. And Jesus goes to his house, and they have supper, and, and everybody in that house figures out who Jesus is and, and starts a relationship with him. Jesus points out, uses his name in specific, and says, you, the sinner, the tax collector, is who I want to hang out with. Jesus doesn't really care to hang out with the righteous, so he cares to hang out with, with the sinners and the sick, right? He puts the value on the individual, the one. That's what's important to Jesus, and, and he's trying to show off a characteristic of, of God through that. So we all have uh, value. So I, I, I really want you guys to get this point. Uh, so it, to do that, all right, I, I want to give away some money, all right? Who doesn't love money, all right? So I met a good dude back here. Jake is going to help me out with this. So, so Jake's going to come up. Everybody give a round of applause for Jake. Yes, you can walk. We're so proud of you right now. All right, so Jake goodness, you know what I, I just realized? I left my wallet. This is incredibly embarrassing. I need to borrow $5 from somebody. Yeah? Wow, that is incredible. I did not think that was going to work. Dude, don't tell her. Is she coming? She's going to come. All right, so we're going to start this conversation. Any amount of money will work. It, it still works. I will pay you back, I promise. I'm totally not going to pay her back. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, uh, so um, do you like money, Jake? Yes? Thank you so much. Please find me. I will pay you back. All right. So that's, that's real, right? That's, you didn't even look. You were just like, yeah. You. I'm assuming you guys Oh, you know her? No, but I'm assuming you didn't plan that. Oh, okay. I didn't plan that. I don't even know her name. What's your name? Amy Lena. Amy All right. Awesome. I'm going to pay you back. I'm All right. So um, that's a real $5. You want to touch it? Boom. All right. He touched it. All right. So real $5 bill. All right. Um, do you want this $5 bill? This is not a trick question. I'm not trying to fool you or anything. This is not, I'm not trying to make you look silly or anything. Do you want that $5 bill? Yes. Bills. Bill. Bill. I think it's singular. All right. So $5. All right. He wants the $5. Why? Because it has value. It has value. Wow. What a great answer. It's almost like I told him to say that, but I didn't. I promise. All right. I really didn't, but that was, that was a really good answer. All right. So what if I take this $5 and I crumple it up, and I've been working out, so i got to really get this bad boy crammed down here, all right? So, now, I mean, you surely couldn't want that $5, right? No, I still do. You still want it? Yeah. But why? Because it didn't lose the top. Oh, all right. All right, all right, I, I, I see what you're going here. All right, what if? All right. Boom, baby, that's what I'm talking about, grind that sucker in there. Now, I mean, that's like, I think I stepped in some dog, oh, no, I didn't. So, I, you know, so it's pretty clean still-ish, uh, but, it, but it's crushed, and I stepped on it. You still want that. You don't need it. Yeah, no, 
Oh, all right, all right. What if I drug it through mud and like it was dirty? No, it's still good. You'd still want it? All right, man. Well, you are the proud new owner of this super clean $5 bill. All right, everybody give a round of applause for Jake. He can take money from me. You can grab a seat. He's just like my kids. That's cool. All right, so Jake wanted the $5 bill because it had value. I love that answer. It had value. It didn't lose its value. Even when the world crushed it and it broke it down and stepped on it and drug it through mud, it still had value. Guess what, guys? You have been crushed and beat up on and kicked and stomped and drugged through the mud, and God still sees you with the same exact value that you have. He knits you together in your mother's womb and knows exactly how much intrinsic value you have. Regardless of what you do, you still have the same amount of value to God. There's nothing you can do that would, that would make him say, you know what, not worth it. No matter what you do, God sees you with the same amount of value, regardless of how tarnished and beat you, you are. Got it? Yes? Yeah, thumbs up, man. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so, so that launches us into this, uh, the idea of the lost coin, all right? So we're talking about money. Uh, so, so the lost coin is Luke 15, 8 through 10. So there's this, this woman, and she loses a coin. She's got 10 of them, loses one of them. And, and it says this, that she tore her house apart, and she swept it and, and, and you know, just made the house clean until she found it. And, and in the same way, I think that this is, uh, we're seeing a characteristic of God. God is saying, I- I'm willing to tear the world apart. I'm willing to sweep the garbage out in pursuit of you, in pursuit of the lost, in pursuit of the one. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Jesus is saying that, that, that my father is, is willing to shred everything in pursuit of you. And I love this idea that, that she swept the house clean, right? That, that Jesus is saying he's willing to do the same thing in your life. He's willing to help you get rid of the garbage, get rid of the junk that you've got in your life. In the same way that you don't lose value when we, when we mess up. You still have the same exact amount of, of value regardless of, of, of what you've got going on in your life. God says it doesn't matter. I'm willing to sweep it all out. Whatever junk that you're going to bring, I'm willing to clean it. So, so we see that, that in this passage that, that God is um, he's bigger than, than our garbage, right? He's bigger than, than anything that you've done, anything that you've said, anything that you think that you've ruined, none of that applies. None of that applies to a God who's willing to, to provide grace uh, for all. All right. So this, this brings us to the, the parable of uh, the prodigal son. All right. So uh, once again, last night you looked at the, the prodigal son through the eyes of the son and, and you saw how sin uh, entered the world. You saw how sin separated uh, us and from, from the Father, right? So uh, tonight, I, I just want to make sure that we see this story through the, the eyes of the Father, the Father who uh, showed a tremendous amount of grace to his son, right? So um, the, the story goes, right? The, the son says, Dad, um, I wish you were dead. 
Essentially, that's what he says when he says to the, the, the father, I want my money. He's saying, I, I'm going to split, I want, it, I want you to split the inheritance and give me the money that's due to me. And, and truly, it, essentially, he's saying to the father, I, I don't care anything about you. I don't care about our relationship. I don't care about the love you provided. All of the things that you've, anything that you've done, I just wish that you were dead so that I could have your money. And so, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but can you imagine saying that to your parents? I'm a parent of, of three little girls. I can't imagine if they grew up and said this to me. Dad, I just wish you were dead. Nothing that you've done to me, nothing that you've, you've ever amounted to means anything to me. The only thing that matters is the money that you represent. That would break me. And yet here we see Jesus telling the story of, of, of the prodigal son saying this exact phrase to his uh, father. Dad, I, I just wish that you were dead. And, and here's the crazy thing. The father gives the money, right? In the story, we kind of gloss over this. The father just says, okay, and, and gives the money to the son. And, and that's just kind of a wild, wild thing. And, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall as the Pharisees hear this story. Their jaws would have literally been like touching the ground, just in awe of the scandalous story that Jesus tells them. Because this story is, is so countercultural to, to what they would have known and everything that they would have taught. So, so here, uh, this story, the father gives the money uh, to the son, and then the son uh, enters into just a really bad moment in his life. So he takes the money, squanders it, uh, just, just lives it up, goes and lives the party life, spends it on um, every bad thing you can think, all right? So the, the son just blows his money, finds himself uh, in a famine, working for a pig farmer and, and desiring to eat the things that the, the pigs are eating. So here's the deal. My buddy was, uh, he was raised on a pig farm. Has anybody ever visited a pig farm? Yeah? What do you remember about that? The smell. The smell. So my buddy lived way out in the country, and a uh, really cool guy. Uh, I enjoyed hanging out with him, but I hated hanging out with him at his house. Because I'd drive down, and he lived down this super long lane, and as soon as I turned down there, man, it's just like pfft, this wall of stench would hit you. And man, it is brutal. It's just, you just can't shake that smell. It sticks in your nostrils, and it's just bad, all right? And, and here's the deal. If, if you're in such a bad place that you're desiring to eat whatever creates that smell, all right, you're in a bad, bad place. And so we see Jesus highlighting the fact that this is, this is what sin looks like. This is what sin smells like. It's just bad. It just puts us in such a bad place. And so, so we see that the, the son kind of finds himself in this really crappy place, all right? So, uh, so Romans 1, 21 through 25, I think kind of helps us to understand uh, where the son's at, all right? So it, it reads like this. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God uh, for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals 
and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual immorality, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So what we see here in this passage is this concept of, of, of will. We have free will. We're allowed to do with our lives what we want, right? And so all of a sudden we see the son living out his will, not caring about what the, the father has provided for him, not caring for the structure that he's given the son but only caring about what he thought he wanted. God is willing to give you your heart's desire. God is willing to allow you to figure it out. We don't serve a, a, a God who, who asks us little and, and tells us exactly how to do it. We, we serve a God who's willing to let us figure it out. And that's exactly what the son did, right? He, he sets off to, to figure out life, and he finds himself in mess with pigs. Does that ever sound familiar to you guys? Have you ever felt like, boy, I took a wrong turn, and here I am hanging out with the pigs? I stepped into something that I really shouldn't have, and, and, and now I'm, I'm in the swallower with the pigs? Our lives can be dictated by the decisions that we make. And that's exactly what happens to the son. He made some pretty poor choices and finds himself hanging out with pigs, all right? So the son, um, back to the prodigal son, the son starts to rehearse this story. He, he recognizes, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm hanging out with pigs. I'm wanting to eat what they eat. And, and so he starts thinking to himself, man, I, I've got to, I've got to change this, dude. I've got to go back to my father. And he says to himself, um, I, I just want to be one of my father's servants. I just have to be like one of them. I mean, they're living way better than I am. I, I, I literally am hanging out eating pig slop and barely making it by. And yet my father's servants live a life where they can have a roof over their head and food on the table. And, and that's way better than what I've got going on here. And so he starts to rehearse this line. He starts to say to himself, all right, I'm going to go home and I'm, I'm going I'm to meet up with dad. I'm going to say, all right, I'm no longer worthy to even be your son, but, but just make me like a hired servant. Make me like one of your hired servants and, and, and I'll work for you. And, and, and that would be way better than what I've got going on, right? And at the same time in scripture, we kind of get a glimpse of what the father's doing. So it, it, it kind of shoots from, from where, where the, the son rehearsing this concept, and it goes to an image of the father, and it says that, that he's sitting and scanning the horizons, waiting for his son to come home. And so we have to kind of pull some of these ideas out of Scripture to understand what's being really said. So a, a, a man of his wealth would have had the sweet property in town, right? He'd have had the, the house on the hill. And we recognize that, that he owns a lot of things, right? He owns so much stuff that he was able to divide his property, give half to his son, and yet still have a lot, right? So we recognize this man is very wealthy, all right? So a, a wealthy man like him had, had the sweet house on the hill, so he's scanning the horizon. 
He'd have been um, an older gentleman because we, we recognize that he has older sons. So he'd have been um, uh, somebody who would have dressed ornately, all right? So he would have had a, t a tunic from neck to all the way down to his air Nike sword sandals, right? So, um, so he's, he's somebody who uh, is scanning the horizon, waiting to see his son. And this is the, one of the coolest pieces of scripture, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, it, it says this, and if you're sleeping, just wake up for just two seconds as you hear this. The scripture, some translation says, says it this way, that the father, when he saw his son, that he leapt, that he jumps, right? He jumps from where he's at, that, that from his high tower, he leaps to go see his son. And then it says that he runs to meet him where he's at. Here's the deal, guys. In that day in the Middle East, for a, a man of advanced age to jump, to run, would have been super countercultural. It would have been way out of bounds for what would, society would have called normal. And yet we see the father jumping and running to go meet his son. And here's the deal. The imagery that, that the Pharisees are processing as this is happening would have been amazing. An older guy hiking up his tunic, sprinting through town with his pasty white legs because they haven't seen the son in like 20 years, all right, going to meet his son right where he's at. And the son says, oh, dad, what's up, man? All right, so um, look, I I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, uh, but uh, just make me like your hired servant. And the dad just cuts him off. So they don't have time for that. He says, quick, get the fattened calf, put a ring on his finger. The son of mine was lost. But now he's found. The son of mine was lost, but now he's found. This is the characteristic of God. He doesn't care what the son had did. He didn't even ask him, what would you do with my money? Where have you been? He doesn't care. He meets him right where he's at. In his sin, in his life, he meets him right where he's at. He says, quick. Get the fattened calf and kill it. We're going to party. There's going to be a celebration. The son of mine was lost, and now he's found. We, we, uh, we, we, we try to come up with words to describe this type of love. And honestly, guys, we fail. Human words don't really have a great dictionary when it comes to explaining this type of love. We don't, we don't have the vernacular. So the original language uses this word. They use the word agape. And agape love is about the closest thing that we can come up with surmising the love that God has for us. The love that's willing to meet us where we're at. The love that's, that's willing to sacrifice, to give up stuff, to pursue the one. And, and it's a good word. And, and sometimes... In modern worship, we try to use hyperbole, right? We try to use these grand words to explain who God is. And, and I keep landing on this song, Reckless Love. And, and, and here's the deal. Some people hate this song. Some people love this song. And, and it comes down to the fact that, that it butts up against theology, right? That you're never going to see this word reckless love because God is not someone that's reckless. But we're trying to find words 
to describe the love that God has for us. And, and so I'm just going gonna, gonna to play this uh, clip of, of the song Reckless Love. And, and uh, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. You want to sing it at the top of your lungs, feel free to sing it at the top of your lungs. Uh, if you just want to sit there and let these words wash over you, uh, feel free to do so. And then I'm going to come back up and, and just close this in a couple minutes. So uh, whenever that video rolls. Shadow you want. 
So we try to, to, to use these words to describe this love, but the, the deal is, guys, we, we can't. We can't really put into words the, the, the way that God loves us. And here's the deal. There, there's nothing in your life that God can't forgive you for. There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing you've got going on. And the, par- the prodigal of the lost son points this out. That no matter what you've got going on in your life, no matter what your friends got going on in their lives, there's nothing that can keep us from the love of God. He's, he's chasing after the one. He's leaving the 99. He's sweeping out the garbage. He's tearing this world apart to come after the one. And he's showing it off. And he's saying, I'm about everyone. I'm coming after everyone with that tenacious love. So here's the deal. Each one of these parables ends the same exact way. The lost sheep is found. Something of value is found. The lost coin is found. And the lost son is found. And they end the same exact way. Let's celebrate. Let's have a party. We have to recognize that every single person has value. And, and God is pointing this out. The, the fact that all of us have value. All of us are worthy to have a celebration in heaven when we figure it out and we say yes to Jesus. This is the type of love that only God can provide. So if you're struggling to figure that out, if you've got friends who are struggling to figure that out, love to have a conversation with you. I'll be here all the way through lunch. Plenty of youth workers in the room that you guys can can have questions uh, that, that, that can be answered. So um, love to, to figure that out with you. So uh, here's the deal. We may think that God is angry or upset with us for how we've been sinful. And it's, uh, it's true that God, uh, that, that sin does separate us. We learned that last night from, from the love of God. Uh, but Jesus gives us this beautiful picture of a God who rejoices when his children return to the family. A God who celebrates and throws a massive party, who runs to his children with delight. Would you pray with me? Dear me, follow. we thank you so much. Uh, just for this morning, and, and Lord, we, we thank you that, uh, that the story doesn't end with sin separates us, Lord, but, but Lord, that uh, it's your love that, that reconnects us, Lord, that, that can wash away the sins that we've got. Lord, we thank you so much for your son, and uh, Lord, how he died on the cross, was buried, and rose three days later, Lord, and Lord, we ask that, uh, Lord, that we could just get a picture of, of that love, that we could just get a glimpse and try to understand the depth of that love. Lord, we ask that, uh, that we would live lives that, that would be worthy of you. Lord, we uh, would figure this out. We would help others around us to, to figure out who you are in their lives, Lord. And we look forward to, to seeing your name and your kingdom built and glorified. We ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Brian's up.